1: Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay, Dunedin, and today I am joined in Wanaka, I think, by Eddie Spearing.
2: Yeah, hi Sam. Yes, I am in Wanaka. That's right.
1: How's life in Wanaka?
2: Oh, you know, living the dream, <laughs> as many people say, living in our own little Wanaka bubble. And everything happens outside of Wanaka and people don't really care. That's what it seems. So yeah, all good. Good down here. That honestly, I don't really feel it's been it's been quite normal, um, and it is at the moment. It's like day in, day out doing what I normally do. So did the
1: did the first lockdown almost a year ago? Did that affect you much?
2: Well, honestly, no. It didn't actually make a blind bit of difference. Um, like in the actual lockdown part of it, where you know you weren't supposed to leave and you're supposed to say so you know a certain distance from your home. Well, no one paid any attention to that, and I did more biking than ever. Um, I, but we weren't allowed to swim in the lake. That was a real problem.
1: That was a problem, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it was a problem, which we thought was ridiculous. Like you know, what the issue with what? We're experienced swimmers, and we've never got in trouble before. We tell our little tow boys around with us. If we get in trouble, we can self um, self rescue. Um, what's exactly the problem? And the problem is that. Um uh, We just felt it was another situation of dumbing down um, on something that didn't need to be dumbed down on. So that was a problem, and that was very annoying uh, for swimming. But outside of that, I, I honestly didn't feel any different. Did, I didn't do anything different whatsoever.
1: Did you get back into the lake on lockdown three? It had gotten cold by then.
2: Yeah, well, um, I swam all, all through the year. Um Yeah, I got straight back in. The... For me, I, I go at least once a week uh, in during the winter, if not twice a week. And we just, you know, chop down how long we're in for. I mean, you wear a wetsuit in the winter.
1: Yeah, by 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 late May, I'm in a wetsuit.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I, I just wear a wetsuit all year round because that's that's what I'm, you know, that's what I'm used to, you I know, mean, starting a wetsuit company. I mean, this is quite ironic at the moment. We've been laughing about it. There's a real uh, group now um, are going in into the lake um, with no wetsuit skins, and it's growing and growing. And of course, um, the irony is now people are now taking to no wetsuit. And what have I done? Started a wetsuit company. So we've been marveling <laughs> <laughing> about that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway.
1: So one of the one of the things that you do, and we're both wearing the the t-shirts for it, is that you run the Ruby swim, the Ruby Island swim.
2: Yeah. So I do that with. Um, My very good friend, Jamie Norman, we do that together. Um, That, some history on that, that kicked off. Well, the idea happened in sort of at the end of 2014. Hang on. Yeah, that's right. At the end of 2014 um, and 10 months work took us to the end of January uh, or the middle of January in 2015. And we took the, no, oh, that's right, Challenge Wanaka was later in the year, and we took their slot, um, their original slot. So we came to the day in 2015, and we had 32 kilometre winds on the Saturday, and then we, we moved to our weather day, so everything, everyone had to be postponed, and... Um, we canceled the day and moved it to our weather day for the next day. And on the Sunday it was 36 kilometer winds. It was even worse. There were literally two and a half meter swells around the back of the island. And we had to can the whole thing, um, much to our disappointment, much to everyone else's disappointment. And it, it was like, it was a real kick that all that work came to nothing. And, um, sort of picked ourselves up, decided that, well, you, you can't, you can't help the weather and you just have to get on with what you have to get on with. So, um, we just planned for the, the next year. We, we offered everyone um, a free entry, which was a crazy thing to do because we spent, we spent all the money um, to run that year. And then we were offering um, entries for next year, which meant, of course, we wouldn't have had any money for next year. Um, but, you know, most people didn't take that offer. It was, we were so, which we were really pleased about because it would have caused a two years of problems. So um, then to, in 2016, it actually happened and it was great. And then, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. So that's six years of the event and seven years, you know, on paper, but six years of doing it. And oh, um, we're very dependent on the weather. But year on year, it just gets better and better. So uh, it's, it's a great event. We're, we're so pleased with it. Will you do it? Will you tell, you tell me what it's like?
1: I think it's the best the the best swim there is. That's, that's why I yeah. keep coming back to, to that swim because it's a it's such a it's a fabulous course going out to mm. the to the island. Going out to the island four times might be a bit much, but I go out to the island four times. Um, and it, it really it's so it's not just a fabulous course, I really like the feeling of the event. I think mm. you've somehow managed to nail an event for swimmers.
2: Yeah, well, you know, we, we are swimmers. Um, and and like Ruby Island is a pretty special place because we only need two boys to mark the course. Um, and the, the first boy is turn left at the jetty. We could do it without a boy, just a turn left at the jetty, but you have to do the position of where you turn left. And then you just go around the island. And, and the second boy, the only reason it's where it is up, up that northeastern corner is to make sure we get the, the distance. So it would, ideally, we could just say, make your own way around the island in any way you see fit and ju- um, looking out for the obstacles underwater. But, well, some people do run aground or you can get you, you can just try and cut a corner and find there's a rock in the way. And it, those rocks are pretty sharp. So the top buoy is only there to make up the two and a half distance or the three point eight distance. And it's amazing how one single boy creates two and a half K um, for the, the ruby natural Ruby swim. And if you go around twice, you get three point eight, which is the you know, the iron ruby. Um purely by because the island is one point two kilometers to go around it and it it just works out so (laughs) superbly well. It's almost if it was made for a swim. And then you just follow the the the, you follow the the island around and and back you go. And um yeah it's it's made for it. Honestly it's made for it.
1: Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Corduroy, Childish Dreams. Why this one?
2: (laughs) Well, okay. So I was tossing up. um, I was going to put, what's it called? Um, Joy Division. It was going to be a Joy Division track, um, New Dawn Fades. And I think I've I've grown up with that particular song, New Dawn Fades. There's that big bass line, and then it um, comes into um, those opening, the opening words from New Dawn Fades by Joy Division is, um, oh, I can't remember them there, but every time I hear them, I go, oh, my God, I think I've grown up with these words. And then um, Corduroy is my daughter's band. The person singing is my daughter. And they're doing really, really well. And they, she, she did this song. And even though she's only tw- she's 22 now, um, I think there's a lot of wisdom and a lot of everything I've looked at or, or thought about. Somehow, my daughter, she, she's done the same thing, or she's thinking in the same way, or, or it's, it's, a, it's a song of, like of hope of what you could have done or what you could do in your future, with your childish dreams. And, and the, the words are fantastic. The band, the boys in the band with her, they're just, they're unbelievably good. And I really, really like the song, not actually because it's my daughter. I just think it's a fantastic song. And, and I have to, I ask other people, I ask people, hey, what do you think of this? And they go, oh my God, that's so good. I go, yeah, it's my daughter. And they go, what? How did you manage that? But um, I actually love the song. Um, it, I, I find that they correlate between New Dawn Fades and, and this song. I, I get the same feeling within the words. And Rosie will love my daughter. She, she will love me saying that. But uh, uh, it, it's, it's an all-time song of mine. Um, Sam, do you, um, do you have a funeral list? on, um, you know, your own personal funeral list. So so when you die, okay, you're at your funeral and everyone's going, oh, what music are we going to play? What is Sam like? Well, I've got a funeral list and this song's on my funeral list. So um, there we go. Well,
1: let's play it now and then hope we don't hear it for a while. Except we <laughs> do want to hear it for a while, but not <laughs> at that.
2: No, no. no, we don't want that.
0: And when we left, we had our minds closed and cold Never thinking about how far we could go Be while we both stay forever.
1: Made a birthday list for my 50th birthday last year oh, yeah. and I have told people that the same list would do for my funeral.
2: Well there you go, see you have it.
1: It won't be a very somber funeral.
2: But well, I, I keep dropping songs in and taking some out when you know it might, it might. there might be a song that reminds me of someone and then I think oh I'm sick of that person I'll take it out again you know or something <laughs> like that or an and occurrence might happen which is of significance, and a song will be will be part of that for me. I'm quite, you know, you think of history, and more often than not, you think of music at that point in history. And so, songs always have a relationship to where you are at that point when you hear it. So, I, I really like that aspect. Mm.
1: Just want to talk about the the Ruby Island swim again, and then we'll talk about the 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 wetsuits this year. You did another thing. Well, this year you had stunning weather.
2: Yeah, um, we, um, we brought in the 5k. Well, we brought in the 10k um, length, which is four laps of the island, two and a half k a lap. Then we brought in the 5k and the seven and a half k. And the seven and a half k was sort of just it was an experiment, which we decided that if you're going to do 5k, you're going to do 10k. So we've now got the 3.8, well, the two and a half, 3.8, five, and ten. Um this year we had exceptionally good weather um, last year we had the same number of entries uh, but there were a lot of people dropped out so we had less people in the water and this year we did have the record number in the water so we had 472 entries then uh, we had people dropping out we had a limit of um, 460 and we actually had 455 in the water that's it's not a rounded up figure that's the actual number we had in the water um which is pretty much bang on our personally set limit so it was because of the weather no one got freaked out with the waves or couldn't deal with, with the you know little, those little waves that f- slap you in the <laughs> face it's so annoying it was just calm the whole day and um yeah, it was brilliant it's just a brilliant day from start to finish then we had different timing um that made our prize giving a lot smoother and Oh, I think it was certainly the best one we've done, I think.
1: And you had an underwater photographer who took the best series of photos ever.
2: That's right. So um, that was Oscar Hetherington. Um, he, is, he lives in Dunedin at the moment. He's doing a uh, media or, or a, some form of media slash design course. He was doing photography and he's now moved that into a more media angle. Uh, he's, he's my son, same age as my son and him, went to school together uh, for the, the 20, God, they're both 20. They're just 20 years old, that's all he is. Um, but I, I, I know the importance of uh, photography and imagery for an event, um, from past events in a previous life in, in snowboarding. So I employed from the very get-go for the Ruby Swim, um, a professional photographer, and uh, I've used Simon Williams from Authentic As is his company. He lives in Queenstown, knows Simon for ages, so engaged him for the very first route. So we've had the, the whole, every single swim is documented uh, photographically, and there might be 350 shots. And Simon will do a, a, a quick edit, maybe 35 shots, and then he'll post the rest up. And there might be, sometimes, I think this year there was 580 shots. And one year in 2018, Simon just couldn't do it. He couldn't make the date. So I asked Oscar, who was a, a developing, young, developing photographer. And Simon, he sort of had it under his wing to some degree because he was taking photographs of mountain biking. And Simon's a great mountain bike photographer. Um, Simon said, you should use Oscar. And I went, of course I should use Oscar. So I asked him. He said, yeah, I'd love to. So Simon, um, Oscar did the 218 event. And um, it, they're quite different photographers, Simon and Oscar. And you see that with photography, you can almost see a photograph and it will have them within the image in some way. Once you recognise uh, the style of the photographer, you know someone's taken that shot. And Oscar did a brilliant set of shots. He used a drone and he had some shots looking straight down on the island, watching the swimmers go around. And he was doing different things to Simon. So that was really good. So we had a different set of photographs of 218. Then um, this year, um, Oscar came to me in uh, probably October, saying he had an idea uh, for um, shooting, the, shooting the Ruby in a different way. Now he'd been in Dunedin, he, he started doing a lot of um, surf shots, um, surfing of the surfers in Dunedin, off of you know, um, Brighton Beach and all around there. But he was in the water. He's invested in the underwater camera, and so he said, "I'll take shots in the water." And I went, "Oh my God, I've never seen a swim event uh, like a, an open water swim event with that sort of photography from from in the water." So of course I said yes. So we had two photographers this year. We had Simon, sort of um, doing the um, portrait shots, the long shots, um, the, the, the detail of. Um, personality and picking out things on a a big lens Um, and then we had Oscar purely in the water with his flippers on, zooming backwards and forwards and we have have a media boat so that they can jump on the boat and get positioned and that boat all it's there for is to look after the photographers and so um, Oscar then got positioned in two places and he took all those shots of which you're in at least three I think but they're phenomenal just phenomenal photographs and I need to do more with them actually because um they they just need more coverage they need to be out there a lot more
1: yeah because they've the for me the most magical bit of open water swimming is that time when you're swimming along and it kind of feels like you're swimming through mercury is how (laughs) and and you look you look ahead and the sort of the shafts of light coming through your fingers and he's captured that
2: yeah he's got it so well And some of the shots there's no one in the shots it's just the water right it's just the Mm -hmm. water looking from underneath looking up, and you can see the top of the Mercury, or the underneath of the Mercury, as you put it, and, and he's got that, he's got the, the light coming through, but yeah, he's, he's done, just done a superb job, and um, uh, there's a magazine called 16, 1964, it's a, like a Wanaka sort of coffee table magazine, and the current one is out now, and he's got the cover shot of um, a surfer sitting on his surfboard off the back of the wave in Dunedin, Half underwater, half on top. So um, great shot, good cover.
1: So you managed, and you managed to pull off an event this year through the threaded through lockdowns, or or were you just like, we're we're going ahead, we can make this work? You you must have had to have some imagination or persistence on that.
2: um, We just put everything out. Hang on, listen to my clock, my my father's clock, my grandfather clock. It's going to strike ten. Sorry, I forgot. I could have stopped that. I forgot about that. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. There we are. It's ten o'clock, everyone. On, on the twenty fourth of the third. Um. Yeah. When it for, for this year, we literally just we just put it out of our minds. We just went. Well, we're going to go ahead. If it goes, if if it went to level two, um, we we had to have a um a contingency um plan for Level 2 for Council and for St. John's. And we had to detail exactly what we would do in the case of Level 2. And our contingency was very, very simple. It was one line. It was, if it's Level 2, we're not doing it. It will not go ahead. We can't physically can't have that many people. Because it's not just the swimmers in the water. That's not really an issue because everyone's separate anyway and you're in the water. It's everyone on land. Um, we probably have um, 200, 250 people just milling around and there's people in and out of the water all the time and people have got their spots. It, it would just be impossible to do it. So can the event, it was either on or off. It was, it was literally as simple as that, but there was no way we could, we, well, we, we could have said, no spectators leave everyone at home and try and run everyone in waves. But well, what? I, I wouldn't, we didn't want to do it because that takes away from what the event is. It's not just about the swimming, it's about everything the whole thing so if we couldn't have had the other side of the event but well, we just we just couldn't do it so it was an easy thing for us and of course we got that done and then it did go to level two and um, so in 2020 we didn't have any issues whatsoever because COVID hadn't like happened yet but well, it had happened it's just that we didn't get locked down and then um, this year we completely got free by the skin of our teeth so um, we've been very lucky Bubble
3: sprite of the forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, na mahe arohanui, kia koutou I hope you're all happy today, beautiful superstars in your beloved universe. I really hope who you are. Uh, whatever's happening around this journey that we're all on together has proven to be very rewarding and illuminating for you, more image day. Who you the triumph of nature's art, perfect, making things better. Thank you. So I know that for all of us over the last several months, it's been so many ups and downs, so many changes, so many shifts, so many different modes of being, doing, seeing, feeling. And as we've moved through all these different modes of being, doing, seeing, feeling, I know that we've all learned a lot, I certainly have. And a big part of all of this, of course, for us as a species is the fact that we can communicate and we are innately Predisposed to communicate, we have all these different forms of communication, all these different forms of language that we use to communicate who we are and what we are being, doing, seeing, feeling. We're so lucky to be able to do this. What a gift! And my work has been in communication for the last 15 years here in Pote, East Dunedin, and I've been so lucky with the opportunities to communicate that I've had, and. I love it. It's a huge part of who I am, what I want to do with my life, but also I am very grateful for all the communicators that surround me, every living being that surrounds me. I know is communicating uniquely and there's so much to be learned. So I really hope that for you, you're having the opportunity to communicate your truth, your inner universe, your perceptions, your understanding and that this communication, whatever form it's taking, is being appreciated and supported. And I also really hope that you're able to see so many other communicators around you, you can collaborate with, that you can learn from, that you can appreciate too. I'll be speaking tomorrow at the Centre for Science Communication, which I'm very excited about, and how wonderful, what an honour to be asked to speak there. And for me, I just really want to encourage others in their communication, to appreciate what they can do. And for me, this is what performance is when we are sharing these aspects of ourselves. First and foremost is to show others what they can do in their own way, uniquely. So I'm really looking forward to that and I will speak about this show, the the impact of doing this show because it has been so helpful for me. These five minutes together each day, and I'm so grateful to Sam and whole Blown Bubbles team and all of you for having me for so long, it's very kind. We've now of course passed the time that we went into lockdown. We started doing this show and it's just improved and expanded my life so much, I'm so grateful. So I really hope that for you, you're getting a lot of opportunities to feel that sense of expansiveness that communication can bring and of course communication doesn't have to be verbal. I'm always very keen on nonverbal communication. I really like spending time with people who are peaceful and quiet and, you know, sometimes described as shy, but really excel at nonverbal communication. I think because my work is so much about speaking, to have that peacefulness is, is a wonderful gift to me. So I really hope for you that you're having the opportunity to communicate in the way that works best for you. And also finding other communicators around you that support you. And I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kiki too. You're
1: listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Eddie Spearing, who, as well as running events, is a designer. And he has designed a wetsuit, the Ruby Fresh wetsuit. Tell us about the wetsuit.
2: Well, the wetsuit, um, just giving a little bit of background. So um, I, I trained as a mechanical design engineer. And um, back in the UK, got my degree and so on. Worked as a um, R&D engineer in a couple of different industries. Worked um, as a steam turbine commissioning engineer <laughs> for a little while in in the big power stations. Didn't really like that; it wasn't my cup of tea. And I went into special purpose machinery design. So I've always had this design, mechanical design angle uh, to everything I've done. Um, so when it came to the wetsuit, um, yeah, I, I, I've been, I, I haven't really been swimming that long. So let's put it that way. Okay, I got into swimming because my kids were do, doing um, swim club, and they went, they, came, they, they became competitive swimmers. And so because they were in the pool, I thought, well, I'm not going to sit here and watch. I might as well swim. So you did a swim, and then you know, Wanaka's people love putting competitions on in the triathlete type vein. So I thought well, I'll have a go at a triathlon, and there's one. One thing meant to another. And so when we started the Ruby Swim, it was almost like, well, we'd, we'd, I'd started swimming and it just seemed the next logical thing to do. Jamie and I would sit at the edge of the shore. We'd do our swim just together and we'd have a beer. We'd literally have a beer. And we started the Ruby Swim from an idea. And then at the end of 2017, I just, without a word of a lie, I woke up with a fully formed idea in my head like, I'm going to make a wetsuit. I'm going to design a wetsuit. Wet, wetsuits, they're not designed for what we swim in. And I am i personally am a bit of a sinker. I, 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 I go along like this. <laughs> thought, how can I lift my hips and my thighs? Um, I was currently using a, a, a Blue 70, a reaction, um, lovely suit, but I thought I could make it better. And I just looked at all the different attributes of what a wetsuit is. Um, designed specifically for fresh water would, would be like. And um, I drew panels and panel designs. I, I, I researched quite in depth all the different ne- neoprene types. Um, I went right back and looked at the history of um, wetsuits or triathlon wetsuits, swim wetsuits. I went right back to the Quintaru original um, designer. I think it's a guy called Jeff. Read quite a lot of uh, material on him and his, his original thoughts. So I went. I went all the way back. I did all my research. Um, I, I you know, went through every website on the types of neoprene. There's the, there's the Yamamoto, the limestone-derived neoprene, which is you know more green. It's not really the amount of energy it's used to make it. It doesn't, it doesn't use any oil. It's hard. To it. It's like a greenwash type um, talk about the you know, limestone-derived neoprene. But it is the best neoprene because the Yamamoto neoprene from that. Um, from the way they make it has um, 60% more bubbles in it than oil-based neoprene. And then um, Yamamoto use a numbering um, system for when they develop a new uh, neoprene, they give it another number. And it goes up to 50, but but, but that is for um, dive, when well, I say dive, um, closed cell skin diving for like pearl divers, like wetsuit, um, and Currently, wet, triathlon wetsuits, you, you either use number 38, 39, or 40. Now, 39 and 40 are the most supple. As, as they go up in numbers, they get become more supple, and they, they feel so soft, like the 40 grade is like silk. It's a, it's a beautiful feel to it. Um, but they're a little bit more delicate, and you have to be a little bit more careful, but they provide much more um, maneuverability. So then, with my design, I then looked at which type of neoprene needs to be in which particular position on the body. And I came up with a panel design based upon my thoughts and design on of a, a, a wetsuit for freshwater use to give more buoyancy to lift the hips up, um, still be flexible in the arms um, because obviously that's paramount. Um, and then because lakes are predominantly colder than the sea, you might disagree, but they sort of are colder and they can get such a, a big range of, of temperatures across the year. Um, Yamamoto create a, uh, um, their neoprenes with uh, titanium lining, and the titanium reflects about 35 to 40% of your generated body heat. So um, once you start moving, you, you, you get in the water, you cold. once you start moving and, and generating, um, you're not losing all of that heat out to the out to the water and some of that heat is reflected back and it keeps you warmer so that either allows you to swim for longer or you stay for the same time and you, you just don't get as cold you know um, those that was the second attribute a buoyancy for fresh water and warmth um, and the whole suits not um, titanium line but the whole of the, the torso all the arms, mm-hmm. Um, is and a little bit on a piece on the back of the calf just to try and reduce cramp. I don't know if that does anything, but, um, and the third attribute was the visibility. Um, And the idea was to, okay, we all use, we we use a tow boy, but everyone uses a tow boy now in the last two years, I think they've become more and more um, widely used because they're very, very obvious. But I'm just trying to, to introduce more visibility in the lake lake wanaka is very you know, it's very busy through summer There's so many different crafts around kayaks sucks, boats jet boats pleasure boats they're all out there um so some form of visibility within the suit itself and i had day glow orange arm and a, a gold arm and that gold really reflected light so that was the idea it was the, the three aspects i saw and then um moving on and um, I, I did my research on those three attributes. And I looked and looked, uh, I looked at all the big, you know, all the brands, like Who, um, Orca, Blue 70. Um, and I couldn't find any of those attributes all put together into one suit for fresh water. No one really said, this is a suit for fresh water. And I sort of couldn't really believe that. And um, well, I, I sort of stopped and, and, and I, I thought, I'm not gonna try and reinvent the wheel. I mean, I'm gonna make something. And then I found out, another company's already making it, I've just wasted my time. I'll just go and buy one of their wetsuits and that'll be fine. But it wasn't the case. It, it literally wasn't the case. Um, so it would appear, and I have looked, that it would be the first or the only wetsuit designed specifically for freshwater use. Now it seems like a bit of a grand um, statement to make, but I feel I'm able to make it because I can't find anything else. So, and then with that design done um i, I and, and my research done i scoured um alibaba <laughs> in china yeah i literally scoured it looking for um a suitable factory and i couldn't find one it's just like factories making shit, you know and just rubbish kiddies wetsuits or rubbish wetsuits and nothing i really wanted so i i looked for a long time again probably um on and off this was probably five or six months have gone down by now. And I, didn't, I wouldn't let it go, I wanted to do it. And I got in touch with Yamamoto directly and I explained what I was trying to do and I explained about the story, the swim. So I've got a whole story behind the wet swim, mm-hmm. so it's not just standalone, which is really important, I think, and I explained to Yamamoto and I got a reply from Tommy Yamamoto from the Yamamoto company. And I was like, whoa, I was, I was really blown away. And said thank you very much. We understand what you're trying to do, and they gave me two factories, um, and I. Li- and then they Yamamoto copied the factory in and me in, and then I then spoke to the factory and copied Yamamoto in, and it was like there was this three-circle um, email, um, you know, carbon copy thing. You know, that we all knew that everyone else was watching, so like Yamamoto knew that the factory was watching and the factory knew that Yamamoto was watching so they couldn't just diss me and through that connection um, I then made, I sent my designs off, we we turned them into um, actual panel designs and wetsuit designs, I did um, four samples with that factory and we got to the point of production and um, I couldn't afford production <laughs> so um, <laughs> I've, this is rather, I don't know if it's a long-winded story or not, but this is this is what happened. Um, from that point, um, with my samples made, and then we made all sorts of errors, and god, that didn't work, and this didn't work, and I, we changed things around quite a lot. Uh, we came to the final design. Uh, I couldn't afford the final design, so I created a, um, a crowdfunding campaign on on the New Zealand platform, uh, Pledge Me, and put that all together. Um, Launched it and spread it through really my local community and, and so on, and, uh, I Ooh, uh, um, and I had to make one hundred and ten suits. Ooh, a fire alarm! One hundred and ten suits, and I had to make one hundred and ten suits because of the, the breakdown. Um, every size had to be a minimum five per size and per color, so I ended up with one hundred and ten, which was my, was my minimum order. And it was like there's a lot of money, and then I had to basically fund that. So by using the the Me um, crowdfunding, I did I funded it, and I had nearly sixty um, early adopters. They got a wetsuit uh, for three hundred and thirty bucks. Um, that was that basically covered my costs. So for si- sixty people, covered my costs and allowed me 40, 40 suits to sort of make a profit on, shall we say? But um, but it also validated what I was trying to do, um, and. Those suits arrived, Um, they went out, and they got amazing reviews. Um, uh, uh, And people who had had used, like, um, Blue 70 Helixes their their whole career, people said to me, this is better than my Helix. It's, it's, It's superb. And, like, me, I just thought, wow, you know, I've done it. It's quite good. I'm I'm very happy with it. You know, I used to swim through the water with my own design wetsuit on, (laughs) looking at my, you know, gold arm and then the orange arm. Oh, so cool! I did this, and then I look across and there'd be my friend Pete, who was one of the early adopters and bought a suit. And i look on the other side and there'd be Al, and he's done the same. I'm going, wow! I've actually made all these wetsuits, and and people are actually enjoying them, And, and and I've had a really really good response. So that's that's what that that's how it happened. That's that's the the sort of the early days of of that.
1: Talking with Eddie Spearing about the design of the Ruby Fresh wetsuits, and it's carrying on.
2: Yeah, so with that, with that, for me, like that third-party validation, like someone else is—it's not me saying it's good because obviously, you know, it's going to be amazing. But you need third-party, completely separate people saying, mate, good try, rubbish. Just don't bother again. This hasn't worked. That hasn't worked." Um, but I didn't get that. I got the opposite. I got people saying, yeah, it's really buoyant. It really lifts me up. I'm a terrible sinker. I'm not anymore. I can feel my, my legs um, and my hips coming up. I'm faster through the water now because I'm in a more streamlined place. The arms are amazing. The most feedback I get is how manoeuvrable the arms are. And that's because of the, there's only really two panels, the lap panel and um, a one-piece arm, um, all made in 40-grade Yamamoto. It's so it's just beautiful to swim in. It's almost like you're not wearing a wetsuit or you're wearing a wetsuit with no arms. That's the feedback I get. So that's just been superb. So, out of that, because oh, I'm doing something right, um, I, I went to the next day, but that took me, that's taken a long time. I, I completely missed the 2020 season because of money. I, I just couldn't do it. Um, and it took me till. Um, well, I was trying to find people to borrow money from, uh, raising loans, and it, it, it just took a long time to get the money to get to the next stage. Um, I, I made some more samples in between uh, with the with the Chinese factory, who they were good. They were actually they were actually really good, um, but I ended up moving from them to a, a, a factory in Thailand for um, a couple of reasons, um, but. I sort of missed the two thousand and twenty season, and I really felt I I stumbled there because I'd lost the, the continuity, and I wanted to keep the wetsuits going, but you know, out of sight, out of mind. You know, people were now looking at other wetsuits, and I, I felt I made I, I lost out there, but I was able to then I, I got to a point where I was sure that I could fund the second amount, and I also knew I had to do two hundred and fifty suits as a minimum. Which is still quite low, but that's well—that's a lot of money, actually. You know, um, but I felt sure that I could fund it. So in April, I then started development again on the second um, second batch, with all the, the minor details. I changes I would learned from the first batch because basically they were, you know, it was that was the first <laughs> go, and there were lots. There's lots of changes. People. Maybe, may not see the difference um, from the outside, but there's lots of little detail changes um, internal stitching and how it's um, put together at the, the base of the zip. Um, I've tightened the arms on the females because they're a little bit baggy. Like some ladies have got that, the wrists are so small, that if water gets in at the wrist, mm-hmm. it, it, it's pooling here. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was too out, wasn't it mm-hmm. Yeah, it just balloons out. So I've, I've tightened um, all the wrists. Um, you know, I could make a beautiful marketing icon and put an icon of you know, female <laughs> wrist design. You know, I could do that. Um, so I made all the changes. I made samples. Um, and then I suppose now we're in, we're in the middle of, you know, that lockdown period, April, where we're coming, April, May, June. And I've got the samples made, they've come over, I've checked them out, yeah, they're good. And then the Chinese factory, out of nowhere, I've been talking to them, you know, the whole time, said to me, okay, let's push the go button and we'll get delivery to you in May. And I went, what do you mean, May? We're gonna have delivery in October. I said, no, no, all the other factories around the world, um, because of COVID, um, I've now taken all the slots and um you'll have delivery in may of next year And i was like i oh, just freaked out i said what do you mean, I mean why didn't you tell me this <laughs> right back then and i would have put in my order and i could have had delivery in time so um i literally just freaked out i thought what i've just what am i doing why that was one the, the thing with the chinese factory there's no communication none and whatever you say to the chinese factory they do They don't do anything more or anything less. They don't give you any help. You've got to do everything yourself and drive it. And I I was never quite sure if the factory I was using was a factory with their development communications department or an office with a group of people in the office farming out, you know, brand's Mm -hmm. requirements into a a factory that that was making stuff for everyone. And and I didn't have that um, confidence that, they were making pretty good product, but it wasn't wasn't quite what I wanted. Now, the thing with the Chinese factory happened. Um, I got in contact with them, explained the situation, and um, my contact there, the manager, uh, the private factory, said we we would love to help you out of the situation. We'll lower our minimums if if you can up your minimums. And we set it on two hundred and fifty, which is more than I, I could really do, but I'm that's why I said, OK, I'll do it. Because if I didn't say yes, it was all going to come to a screeching halt. So I just said yes. And I didn't really know how I was going to quite raise the money for 250 seats. Um, but you know, you take one step and the door will open. <laughs> you know, and, um, raise, raise the um, raise your escape ladder, and then you can't go backwards. Burn the bridge, and you, you have to go <laughs> forwards. And, and that was literally the position I was in. So I just said yes. Um, I then had to go through all of the sizing again with the new factory. I had to start that process again because um, the Chinese factory I just gave up with them. They wouldn't give me anything. I didn't didn't have all that information. So I had to do um, a, size, uh, a sizing set of male and female with the new factory. I had to get that made. The male were... Bang! Pretty much on straight away. My, my all my panel designs and so on, and all the all the, the materials was the same. But we had to check um, sizing parameters, diameters, and body torso length, and so on. The female ones I had to make three sets of samples before I got them correct. And then we were then able to push the go button, which um, because of all these delays, I'm i got 30 suits arriving. 30 suits arrived, um, well, one week after the Ruby, unfortunately. That's in February. But my bulk isn't going to arrive until, well, mid, end of April, which which now, funnily enough, it's not so far off where I would have been with the Chinese factory in May. But, I feel much more happy. I've got a, I've, I've got a better quality um, suit. Just, just generally better all round. Um, I'm not, in China anymore where I had my ethical dilemmas. And um oh, it's got some beautiful wetsuits and, and that that's that's the story to this date, if you put it that way.
1: So I have some questions to end the show and not very much time so we shall have to rattle through them. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years?
2: Um well it, it will it will be a combination of um getting these suits done and actually but the Ruby, the, the event, it, it's more than just an event. Um, you touched on it. It's, it's a really good day. And I think um, this year's event was, was fantastic. but last year's was good too. And, and I could get so much good feedback afterwards that, um, that it would be that. It'd be a combination of the event and the wetsuit.
1: We're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in our team. What's the superpower that's got you into the mansion?
2: Um, it will probably be perseverance, um, that one. Like, was it um, Aesop's, has a quote, um, the plodder wins the race. It's, it'll be something like that along those lines. Yeah. Do
1: you consider yourself to be an activist?
2: Yes. I get myself in trouble sometimes, actually. Yeah. Um, I am a bit of an activist.
1: What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the I'm, morning?
2: Oh, okay, I'm not very good at getting out of bed in the morning. I'm, I'm really not. Um, I'm a night person. I'm a night owl. I could easily stay um, up until one or two in the morning doing things. Um, I don't really like... I, I'm not a morning person. <laughs> I mean, I'm, what gets me up? Better, but you're asking me what gets me actually gets me moving. Um, well, uh, I don't work in a job as you know any most people do i've, I've never actually worked in, in a job i've always worked for myself so um other than when i was as an engineer you know when i was like 24 25 26 ever since then i've worked for myself so what gets me up is interesting projects and i do beat myself up that i i don't progress them very well or they seem to take too long or i don't have any money or but everything works out okay in the end. So, you know, what gets me up? A bit of everything.
1: What's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next year or so?
2: Oh, um, making the wetsuits a financial success. My particular, one of my other traits is I love the creation and the, the initial, you know, the, the creation of something. The way it's done... My mind just fires off and I'm like, okay, I've done this. Next is this, this, and this. Okay, so I've worked it all out. I've no need to do it because I've already worked it out. So I like the creation, but what has to happen now is translating the creation into a financial income because money oils the wheels. So my biggest, um, over the next year, will be um, making sure that the, the wetsuits Make money so that I could actually create a living out of it because I don't have a pension plan, <laughs> I don't know what's coming next.
1: <laughs> and lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners?
2: Uh, um, I will say, don't know. Um, I probably got lots. I, I struggle with that one, Sam. It will be start, I think it would be to start something if you really feel about something passionately and you have an interest in. In it but you think it might be a waste of time or someone else is doing it or or you don't know because you you don't quite know where it will take you or or, or where it it may lead and it, it might take you in a completely wild tangent and you, then you just have to go with the ride like the wetsuits i had no idea i was going to design a wetsuit when i started a, a you know a swim event that was like and and now that's become a, a really important part of, of my life trying to create a brand I mean, I've always wanted to have a brand and um, you know I had, I had a publishing brand but now this is more of a product brand and I'm, I'm trying to develop that and make that grow so really it's follow what you're trying to do um, even if you don't know where it's going to go I think it would be something like that.
1: that sounds good to me thank you very much for joining me
2: thank you Sam thanks for having me on it's
1: been really good fun actually you've been listening to blowing bubbles positive conversations with people in their bubbles their safe spaces around the world brought to you by the sustainable lens team which is brought to you by otago polytechnic we broadcast on otago access radio on monday wednesdays and fridays at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz you can find us on facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts we have a contribution today from Tahi McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay and I have been joined by Eddie Spearing in Wanaka. We hope you enjoyed the show.
0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.